Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 92% of households that start the year with Peloton are still active a year later. 92% because of a bike? Not just bikes. We also make treadmills and rowers. Oh, let me guess, for elite athletes only, right? Nope. It doesn't matter if you're an avid exerciser or new to working out. Peloton can help you achieve your fitness goals. 92% stick with it. So can you. Try Peloton bikes, tread or row, risk-free with a 30-day home trial. New members only. Not available in remote locations. See additional terms at onepeloton.com slash home dash trial. Okay, welcome back to another edition of the Goldmine Podcast, and I'm proud to have one of our longtime contributors to Goldmine, John Borak, and John does our column called Power Pop Plus, and he's been doing it for years online. You should visit it, goldminemag.com, but John is definitely one of our resident Beatles experts, and he has a new Beatles book out and john i would love if you can explain that um a little bit about the book and how it came to be sure well uh, first of all thanks for having me on the podcast pat it's always great to chat with you uh the book is titled the beatles 100 and it is subtitled 100 pivotal moments in beatles history so what i do is i take 100 different moments in the career of the group and also in their solo careers and their personal lives, whatever, 100 different moments and rank them one to 100 in order of what I feel their importance is. Right. And it came about for a, a number of reasons. Number one, um, due to my love of the Beatles and their music, a uh, longtime fan, I've uh, been writing about them for Goldmine for years, as, as you mentioned. And I also love making lists and people enjoy reading lists. And I thought this was a good way to combine the two and also to get a lot of information out there um, in kind of, you know, relatively short bite-sized chapters. Um, one thing I, I tried to do in those chapters was to you know, give my opinion on why I thought the uh, particular moment was as important or maybe not as important as others but also tried to pro provide some quotes that hadn't been seen or, or heard a million times over. So I did a lot of digging, a lot of research you know, online, other Beatles books. I have this ridiculous collection here of Beatles books and magazines and, and whatnot. So it took me a while to research it. It was originally going to come out in 2016. And I'm, I'm glad it didn't because there's so much more that's happened in the Beatles world since 2016, not, you know, just, 
mentioning uh, alone all the reissues, the Sergeant Pepper reissue, the White Album reissue, the Abbey Road reissue. Uh, we just missed the uh, Let It Be movie and, and uh, Let It Be reissue, but uh, the movie and the uh, original album is covered in the, in the book. Uh, it's really sort of my love letter to the band and, uh, you know, helps explain why I love them so much and why I think everyone, if you're a music fan, um, really loves the Beatles. Now, you, you love Power Pop. Is this your number? Is this your favorite band? Is the Beatles your favorite band? Beatles are my favorite band. They're not a power pop band, of course. Well, uh, although they I certainly would rock band, right? Well, yeah, they they certainly influence the uh, genre. Uh, and you know, I've I've heard that old that old uh, thing that's been bandied about. Now the Beatles were a pop band. The Stones were a rock band. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, no, sorry. Uh, Stones are a rock band. Beatles were a rock band. Listen to some of those live recordings, especially in the early days, and that's some pretty fierce rock and roll going on there. Uh, listen to some of Ringo's drumming on, on some of the early records, Long Tall Sally and, and you know, I'm Down and just mention it. I, I kind of, I mean, I, they're, they're rockers. So no, the Beatles are my, uh, even though I love power pop, the Beatles are my all-time favorite band. My second favorite band is also not a power pop band. And mo uh, most people wouldn't guess uh, who that second band is, but I, I, I love the Ramones. Ramones are probably my second favorite band. Well, the Ramones did have a lot of, that poppy sound because they were into the girl groups yeah in the 50s and early 60s yeah one of the early quotes from dd ramon uh, i remember reading was him saying you know we we wanted to be a pop band we wanted to be a bubblegum a bubblegum band like the bay city rollers but we just couldn't play good enough so we became the ramones <laughs> i thought that was great but you know the beatles started out as a rough and tumble band you know going to germany with all the leather um, before oh, yeah. Brian Epstein and they put on the suits. So, I mean, th they were pretty uh, powerful uh, as far as a rock and roll band. They were, then. yeah, they were, they were powerful as a band and they were four pretty powerful personalities also. Yes. And, you know, another comparison with the Rolling Stones that a lot of people make uh, mistakenly is that, you know, the Rolling Stones came from this rough and tumble background and the Beatles were up, were upper middle class sort of living in, a little bit of luxury and the exact opposite is true the rolling stones were the upper middle class ones and the beatles were pretty much lower middle class there was not a lot of money there uh in any of their four homes at all when they were uh, when they were young so yeah rough and tumble personally rough and tumble musically uh that time spent in in germany and all the clubs in in england really uh you know kind of helped hone that sound and, and as you mentioned uh brian epstein got a hold of them put them in suits but he couldn't quite tame John Lennon. I, I don't think anyone could ever quite do that. But uh, that's, Yoko, uh, maybe. Well, maybe I don't know. John was still kind of a loose cannon, and and I say that in uh, an admiring sort of way. I mean, you know, you always, you know, as I mentioned in in my first book, John Lennon life is what happened. You know, John would say whatever was on his mind. He didn't care what the consequences were. Right. Hence his, hence his the Beatles are more popular than Jesus right now comment. You know, which has to be a pivotal moment. That is one of the pivotal moments. I don't remember what number it is, but it is one of the 100. Yes, as is as is Brian Epstein becoming their their manager and, and sort right. of them up a little. Yeah, they were. In fact, the Stones were made out to be the bad boys, right? But right. the Beatles were really. I want. I hate the word words bad boys, but uh, 
you know, they were, it seemed like the stones were sort of like, when you met them personally, they were kind of like polite and where Lennon can be, I think there's this old story. I don't even know if it's true that one of the turtles went up to him and said how much, uh, how, how much they, uh, how much he influenced them. And he like really told them to fuck off kind of like right. a, a punk attitude, you know? Yeah. Um, that was in, um, that was in Howard Kalin's uh, autobiography, I believe uh, where I think the story happened. I think it happened to him. But yeah, John, you know, John was a very complex personality. One, one minute he could be loving and caring and tender like he was with his son, Sean. Um, and, you know, and also assisting a lot of really uh, wonderful charities and causes, you know, doing the one, um, one-to-one concert in 1972 to help support people with special needs. You know, a lot of people don't know that side of them. They just know the side that would come up to you at any moment and tell you to go piss off because that's also who he was. Very, very complex. Yeah, but what he did for the world with his messages of love and hope and peace, um, I, I think, you know, I have a theory that uh, Yoko kind of honed that in his his psyche. Um, I don't know if, how much you agree with that, but when Yoko came along, he seemed to embrace that peace and love sort of mantra. Yeah. It, it sort of did happen. Uh happened right around the time that that he met her, uh, which was 1966. Yep. And I think that also coincided with the fact he was taking a lot of mind-altering substances at the time. So the combination of a mind-altering substance and a mind-altering partner, I guess you could say, uh, yeah, helped to bring about a certain change in John. And, you know, some would say a change for the better, some would say not, but, you know, who are we really to say? But I can tell you one thing, just kind of a sneak preview of, of, the, of the book. The number one moment in the book is when John Lennon met Paul McCartney. The number two moment in the book is when John Lennon met Yoko Ono, because right. I think both of those obviously helped really define the career of the Beatles on, on separate ends almost. Well, she's gotten a lot of slack and I think it's sort of unwarranted. You know, I think this is my personal opinion that she made him a better person even uh, that's just yeah. my personal opinion i uh, would I, I would agree with that i would agree with that yeah she certainly uh helped him, him helped him embrace his more sort of wild artistic side which i think was always there it was just kind of buried underneath the, the suit and paul mccartney telling him you know straighten your tie and you know that that sort of thing um but his wild side was was always there and i think in addition to bringing out the whole you know, peace and love aspect, which now Ringo has sort of taken that over and made it his. Uh, she also brought out his sort of uh, wilder side. But, mm -hmm. you know, boy, she certainly inspired a lot of great music, too. You know, I think the screen therapy definitely helped uh, bring about some good music. Oh, well, yeah. If you listen to the if you listen to the Plastic Ono Band, yes. album, you know, just reissued this year, that's that's a classic. Imagine is a, is a classic. Every song on both of those records. The pinnacle of, of his solo career really and that was you know done with yoko's direct influence right so a lot of people diss her but it, it's too bad and i really don't think she broke up the beatles or helped break up the beatles that's my no. opinion i think it would even without her it probably would have met some sort of likely end 
Oh, yeah. You know, it's just, and especially back then, um, she was an easy target. Her and Linda yeah. McCartney, they were easy targets. You know, you, you you take the best band of all time breaking up and you take in sort of the inherent sexism that's there with a lot of folks. Oh, the woman did it. Uh, and then you you throw in the fact yeah. that she's an Asian woman and, you, you know, there's a little bit of racism in there from some yeah. people. And it's, yeah, totally un, unwarranted. And, you know, but I think there's kind of been a uh, revisitation of that over the years. Most people these days don't really seem to vilify her anymore. Uh, it really always was unwarranted. I was never a big fan of her art or her music uh, or her voice, but uh, I greatly appreciate her and her relationship with John. Right, right. And do you cover, now shifting away from John to Paul, how about the myth of Paul is dead? <laughs> yep, that is that is covered in there. I think we actually that was significant. A, oh yeah, we we might even have a photo. Uh, I believe there's a photo in there of the original magazine cover. There was a magazine, a tabloid, that came out at the time with this very yep. sad looking uh, close up of uh, Paul McCartney. You know, I think the big headline of the magazine screamed "Paul McCartney dead" or something like that. Right. I mean, thing that was. Uh, you know, it was brought about by, uh, I believe, a couple of young kids in Detroit. Yeah. I think it was a college radio station. And um, completely ridiculous. But, you know, back in the days where people thought, you know, people thought Klaatu was was the Beatles, you know, they'd be willing to believe anything. And, you know, suddenly these quote unquote clues start start coming out, which are completely ridiculous. My, my favorite uh, quote unquote clue was on the back of the Abbey Road cover. There's that Volkswagen with the license plate 28IF. Yeah. And everyone said, oh, well, that's because Paul would have been 28 if he had lived. <laughs> well, that's great, except in 1969, Paul would have been 27, not 28. Right. You know, and so it, it's just, it, it was just crazy. And, you know, Paul actually had to come out, and I, I mentioned this in the chapter, in the book, about the whole Paul is dead myth. Paul had to come out and do a little interview for Life magazine saying, you know, I'm very much alive. I'm with Linda and the family. Just leave me alone, basically. Yeah. Yeah. Do you know how Americans have this? Well, not just Americans. The, the human beings have this fascination with conspiracy theories. They, <laughs> oh, don't I know it? Yeah. They love to ride them, even though in the back of their mind, they I realize they're not true. They They love the entertainment of it. Sure. Oh, and there are still things on YouTube where you can, you know, go on YouTube and, and punch in Paul McCartney dead and you'll find all these videos with just people who are completely off their rocker trying to tell you that Paul died in 1966 in a, yeah. in a motorcycle accident. And it's like, oh, come on, man. I have a friend who's big into that sort of thinking and said that, uh, you know, with the Illuminati and looked at Sergeant Pepper's cover and said there are signs that the Beatles were. <laughs> you know, if you look, if you, if you want something to happen badly enough or you look hard enough, you'll always yeah. find something to sort of halfway justify what, what you're thinking. I mean, there's the old rumor that Ringo didn't play on any Beatles songs, you know, that it was um, the, uh, I forget his name, the soul drummer, um, <clears throat> famous soul drummer. But like, you know, even Ringo said, what was I doing in the studio? Yeah. Why, why was I there if I wasn't playing drums? You know, it's ridiculous. Um, there was a reason for everything. The reason why Paul walked across the street barefooted, 
you know, yeah. had something to do with his sandals or something, not being comfortable. I forgot what yeah. the effect. Uh, well, you know, his his quote when they asked him, you know, what, why were you walking across the street in a suit and no shoes? He said, well, it, it was a hot day. Yeah. And that was it. It was yeah. a hot day. <laughs> Sometimes it's that simple. It's not complicated like a conspiracy right. there. Right. But, but that, uh, it's weird because people are often say, well, it took a while for the Beatles to debunk that myth that it actually helped sales of their albums. And, you know, that's kind of true, uh, maybe. I don't know if they waited uh, to do it, but uh, it did help the sales of certain albums. Yeah, I'm, I mean, any press is good press. That's how the right. old saying goes. So even if you get a bad review or something negative, it, it helps keep your name out there. It, it keeps your name out there and people are thinking about you and people are you know, buying your records or, or whatnot. So. And there's also the debate, what if Brian Epstein lived? And, you know, I think I, I think they were just their creativity was let loose. Uh, you know, in good in good and bad ways. Yeah. You know, their, their creativity was let loose, but it also allowed them to make, uh, which was, well, allowed them to make, which was probably one of the more horrible mistakes of their career, in my opinion, the Magical Mystery Tour film. Yes. <laughs> um, music music is great, but but you look at the film and, and, and you, you know, you think Brian Epstein would have never allowed this to happen. Oh. Never allowed. I mean, he didn't even want the Sgt. Pepper cover to be you know, the cover that it was. There was a note that he had written that I think they found not long after he passed away that he had written to an associate that said brown paper bags for Sergeant Pepper. He wow. didn't want the cover to go out as, as it was. Um, but yeah, Magical Mystery Tour, it was a mess from beginning to end. There was no script. There was no direction. There was nobody leading anything. It was basically, let's take some drugs and go on a bus and see what happens. And it was just crazy. It was craziness. And, you know, a lot of things when you know that were done in the 60s you watch them now and if they seemed a little weird then you have a better appreciation for them now after some years have gone by but i watched magical mystery tour with my daughter a, a few years ago and we just watched the whole thing and uh, after it ended she looked at me and she said dad that was really weird yeah <laughs> and and you know as i mentioned in, in my book in the forward that i mentioned it there and i said she was not wrong it's just a really bizarre piece of work but yeah, for, for better or worse, I think they would have been different with Brian um, helming them for the last uh, few years. Of yeah, that was Paul's baby, and it just that was one of the times when he was just wrong about something. Um, yeah, I mean, it was the first time, really, that it proved that the Beatles were not uh, infallible. Yeah. You know, they, they could make a mistake, and boy, when they made a mistake, they made a big one. I remember as a kid when... I had that album, my sister bought it, and I loved the songs, you know, when you got the American version. And, mm -hmm. um, but the cat, the book inside and the, the whole thing was just <laughs> over my head. And, oh, yeah. I just yeah. didn't, I was like, this is just, this is too weird for me. So I just, it's, still, it's still over my head. I still don't understand a lot of what we're trying to do. I, I don't know. But yeah, the music's great. And, and you know, another really bizarre thing about that film, and I mentioned this in The Beatles 100 as well, is that, um, you know, it had all this really sort of 
psychedelic explosive color and and things right. going on but when it was originally shown on the bbc on boxing day in 1967 it was shown in black and white so, <laughs> so it totally negated everything right. as far as the, you know colors and and psychedelic swirl and whatnot so again you know someone wasn't thinking yeah he, they jumped the shark there even though that term wasn't used back then <laughs> it was pre-fonzie yeah, but, uh, <laughs> but did anyone expect you know i was too young obviously but did anyone expect in 1970 i mean look at all things must pass the popularity of solo beatles albums um, everyone was so upset that the beatles were breaking up but then the solo albums certain ones did quite well oh yeah especially the first uh you know the first several years after uh after the breakup from 1970 till about 1975 76 um yep. you know john was only active from 70 through 75 then he went into his house husband phase until double fantasy just before his death in 1980 uh ringo had you know the first uh, top 10 hit i think of any of the solo beatles with it don't come easy and then he had Back Off Boogaloo, and then the Ringo album was, was a huge hit, a great record still. Uh, George, like you mentioned, All Things Must Pass. You know, Paul and John had, um, you know, John had um, Plastic Ono Band, and then Imagine. Then he kind of went off the rails a little bit. Sometime in New York City, maybe not as, uh, um, not as creatively uh, um, wonderful as um, we would have liked to have seen from him at the time. But it's who he was at the time. So that's, that's what he put out. And I love the course writing, you know, all of his hits yeah, and you know, another day and, and then the Ram album and then going to the band on the run, Venus and Mars, you know, becoming with wings, one of the top grossing acts of the seventies. It was a good time to be a Beatles fan, even just listening to the solo material. I love the first McCartney <laughs> albums. They, they have this sort of lo-fi indie rock feel to them. Yeah, and that's why they I like them so much. Of course, Wings did not have that. It was more arena rock. But um, those two albums are to me, I can listen to them and never get bored of them. Yeah, I would say that Ram is probably my favorite solo Beatles album. Yeah, <laughs> uh, of of all of of all of them, really. I mean, Ram followed closely by Imagine. Um, I, I love All Things Must Pass. Oh. But, uh, there's a lot, of filler, did a, a lot of filler on there, honestly. We recently did a review in Goldmine on Ram. Yes. Uh, the new issue. And the, there's a tribute album. Yes. There is a, um, it's called Ram On, 50th anniversary yeah. tribute to Paul and Linda McCartney. And you like that very much, too. It was, it was really good. A gentleman named Fernando Perdomo uh, co-produced it. He's an L.A. area musician yeah. who's played with tons of people. And. He co-produced it with uh, Denny Sidewell, who was the original drummer on the album and played with Paul McCartney, uh, Paul and Linda McCartney for uh, for a good while. And so he plays on on everything. And there's some you know guest stars who sing on uh, each of the songs, uh, including uh, Rob Bonfilio and his wife Carney Wilson, Brian Wilson's daughter, um, and you know some other really talented folks as well. So it was it was definitely enjoyable. enjoyable now record. the the moments continue with the Beatles because Paul and Ringo are still alive. Have you seen the Hulu special? With I have not seen it yet. I, I have to, my daughter allow me to log on to her Hulu account because I don't have it and she does. And uh, 
she's busy, so I don't really see her as often as I'd like. But I, I need to see it because I've, I've heard there's a lot of material in there that he sort of just, you know, rehashes the same old, same old that he's talked about for years. But there's nuggets in there that people maybe haven't heard before. But, you know, and it's funny because a lot of people, a lot of Beatles fans I've been reading online kind of been taking Paul to task saying, oh, you know, his, his memory is not quite right on all these facts. Like, well, you know, it, it happened like 60 years ago, some, some of these things he's talking about, you know, 50, 60 years ago. How is he expected to remember everything? The guy's done a hell of a lot in his life. I mean, he's not going to remember some B-side, you know, that, that came out in 1976 or something that people want to have all this information about. It's just not Let's face it. The fans know more about the Beatles than they do themselves. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And, and I think Paul has said that, you know, that there's some people who know more about him. But, you know, he's also said that a good portion of the Beatles books that are out there are just kind of BS. You know, really? it's the same old stories that people rehash, but they're not necessarily true. And he hasn't given any specifics, but I'm sure he's correct. You know, it's, it's interesting, though, with the Let It Be film that's coming up. Um, I'm sure you've seen the the previews and mm-hmm. they've they're sort of taking the tack that it wasn't as horrible of a time as the original film made it out to be. And they were all four really great friends and having a great time and they loved doing it and they loved being in the studio and there wasn't all this bad blood. Yeah, I, I don't know if I buy that completely. I think it's sort of a, a little bit of a whitewash. Not that that's a bad thing, but you know, with editing these days, you can make unhappy times look a lot happier by just leaving stuff out, you know? So like, like anything else, I think with Let It Be, the truth falls somewhere in the middle. There were good times, there were bad times, um, probably an equal measure, but deep down, the four of them loved each other and made great music together. And that's, that's what matters, ultimately. Well, before we wrap up, uh, one thing seems to be certain that the Beatles they're timeless they cross generations Mm -hmm. and i don't think that will ever end i think because they were so eclectic um they all it was just one of those they all seemed to it was like a magical moment in time that these four people got together and just perfect yeah the stars just sort of aligned perfectly and they continue And, and i think one of the uh, one of the reasons for that is the songs. Um, and they speak to a lot of different age groups still. I mean, I um, I play drums in a Beatles cover band called Let It Be out here in Southern California. I've been doing it for about three or four months now, and it's amazing to see you know not many other bands where you can just be playing for random people. And every song you play, people know the words and they're singing along out in the audience. It's just amazing to me that the music just touches so many people across age groups and across culture. You know, there's, you know, there's elderly folks there that we have at our shows. Uh, A month or two ago, there's a little seven-year-old who came up to me and said how much he loved the Beatles. You know, it was just really, really cool. And yeah, it touches everyone in one form or another, The, the music and the and the myth and john paul george and ringo the four guys yeah where it used to be a father or parents would turn their children on to the music and pass it on now children are just finding it on spotify 
mm-hmm. or YouTube discovering themselves, which I think is even more precious, but you know, or it can be just as good. Um, yeah, there's just so many, so many different ways to find good music these days. And, you know, so many people bemoan the death of the record industry and, oh, there's no good music out there anymore. No, well, there is. You just have to search a little bit harder to find it. You know, it's, it, 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 it's out there. You just won't find it at Target or Walmart. But it's out <laughs> there. Well, you can find Beatles, I'm sure. But it's, it seems like... <laughs> With Beatles, you know, 20 years ago, you had Elvis and the Beatles. And as far as collectability, right? Now, the collectors are, seems like they're collecting less of Elvis, but the Beatles trend continues. Um, yeah, there's, I mean, and that'll never end either, because there's so many variations of, of everything the Beatles have released. And, you know, different singles released in different countries and, and reissues and re-reissues and re-re-re-reissues. Because they said Elvis was king, right? But I think the Beatles are the kings, really. That's uh, sort of a, uh, they, they shared the throne at different times, let's just say. Yeah. You know, Elvis, yeah. Elvis was of his time, uh, late 50s, maybe into right around when he went into the army. And then uh, nobody really sat on that throne until the Beatles came, you know, right. sort of a little bit of a fallow, a little bit of a fallow period for, uh, for music. You had a lot of the uh, teen idols like Frankie Avalon and Fabian, you know, in that interim who wanted to be Elvis, but just didn't have the talent, but they were trying to be Elvis. Um, you know, not that they weren't talented, but it was just, they weren't as talented as Elvis Presley. Well, but, Elvis know, didn't help himself in the seventies where the Beatles solo continue to help themselves um yeah. you know they could have beatles could have gotten back together they were often offered tons of money right in the in the oh, 70s. yeah yeah, yeah. and i think they would have at some point you know they would yeah. have gotten together at some point you know even if it was just for a one-off because once the, all the business differences were out of the way um there was really no reason for them not to get back together hmm. you know, they they liked each other they're you know and, and they were you know Groups of them played together at, at different times. You know, everybody played on Ringo's album, uh, his 1973 self-titled album, at separate times, though. But, you know, they, they were all on there. Um, you know, the rumor was that John was going to fly down to New Orleans and work with Paul when Paul was recording Venus and Mars with Wings in 74, 75. And then at the last minute, he ended up getting together with, uh, getting back together with Yoko, getting his marriage straightened out and, she kind of put the brakes on that. That's that's what the legend says anyway. So there were opportunities, you know, and I think uh, I think it would have happened. I mean, the three of them got back t- together in the 90s to record those new, those new tracks. So right. no reason why John wouldn't have joined them. Now, maybe uh, to, you could tell re, uh, listeners where to get the book when it's released. Sure. Well, the book uh, is available now. Uh, just was released last week. And you can um, go there, to, obviously, you can Barnes & Noble. Yeah, you can go to Barnes & Noble. You can go to Amazon.com. Um, it's also available on the publisher's website, uh, Rare Bird. Uh, there are signed copies available there, should anyone require one of those. Um, I think it's also available. I saw it on, on Target.com. Somebody sent cool. me a link. So it's pretty much available, uh, as they say, anywhere fine books are sold. So Can I get it from your website? And, you know, if, if people are local here in Southern California, they can get it from me, but otherwise they can just order <laughs> it online. 
yeah i always uh you know my, my publisher told me always carry a box with you in your car because you never know when you're gonna run into somebody who uh who might need a copy and doesn't want to go online and so i i do that i sold two just yesterday doing it that way so well i'll be getting my copy from you awesome. uh, signed i hope yes sir uh, and uh i'll be proud to put it on my bookshelf thank, thank you. you so much john my uh, pleasure thanks for having me and we'll see you in the pages of goldmine yes sounds great <laughs> okay thank you all right thanks pat of households that start the year with Peloton are still active a year later. 92% because of a bike? Not just bikes. We also make treadmills and rowers. Oh, let me guess, for elite athletes only, right? Nope. It doesn't matter if you're an avid exerciser or new to working out. Peloton can help you achieve your fitness goals. 92% stick with it. So can you. Try Peloton bikes, tread or row, risk-free with a 30-day home trial. New members only. Not available in remote locations. See additional terms at onepeloton.com slash home dash trial. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.